Happy New Year's Eve to you. We are so glad that you're here. We still got some folks visiting from out of town. I see Zach and Deb here. About to, yeah, yeah, about to go back to God's country in a couple of days. <laughs> they live in Georgia. I'm sorry. I <laughs> when I had the attaboy for the Bulldogs, you said nothing. I'm hurt, but it'll be okay. I'll get over it. Boy, what a great... Did everybody have a wonderful Christmas? Did we not have an awesome Christmas of health and family and, man, just so many blessings? Our Christmas Eve service, we had 2,017 people at all three campuses Christmas Eve. 2,017 people, the Christmas of 2017. How cool is that? a lot of people, you know, that's a lot of chicken and ham got to eat, but, um, but we're glad you're back here this morning. My name is Andy Stovall. For those of you who don't know me, I am the campus pastor here at the bridge in Princeton. Yeah. And, uh, Pastor Jim is speaking at a, at a church in Smithfield today. Pastor Jared is, uh, at, uh, I believe he's at a family wedding. How about Chris? And his team, didn't they do a great job in worship today? Yeah. Got a lot of people out, and we just appreciate them being here. We got folks that, you know, they're, they're sick and couldn't be here today. Uh, no, we do have some staff that are sick, got the, the stomach bug, and they said they couldn't be here. And I said, thank you for staying away, because I don't need that for the new year. Um, but I'm glad to be here. I'm glad that you're here. And over the past several weeks, we have been talking about taking a fresh look at Christmas and what that all entails. And we looked at what life would have been like if Jesus had not been born, what our life would have been like if Joseph had not been born, if Mary had not been born, looking at Christmas through a child's eyes. And uh, all that, we've been spending some time kind of looking back, right? Looking back and asking that question. Well, it's New Year's Eve, and I want us to look forward. God has blessed us in 2017. We've been through some stuff in 2017 as a church. We've never been through in many, many years. But God has blessed us abundantly, and I want us to look forward. And this is the question I want to ask you today. I want to ask you this question. How will the world be different because you were born? How will the world be different because I was born? I mean, that's a compelling question, isn't it? And it causes us to really look at our lives and the motivation of our life and what we're doing with our lives. Will, will this community be better because we're in it? Will the church be better because we're in it? Will my family be better because we're in it or I'm in it? Uh, I have an opportunity to, to minister to a lot of families on a regular basis. And I know it doesn't sound like to many of you an opportunity, but I, I do preach a lot of funerals. Um, you know as certain as you are born, uh, you are going to face death, right? None of us get out of here alive. You understand that, right? And uh, I have the opportunity to speak at a lot of funerals and speak to a lot of families. And the thing that I say over and over and over again as I hear accolades about a loved one is this. I want to live my life in such a way 
that the people that I connect with, the people that I were, was privileged enough to interact with, to walk shoulder to shoulder with in ministry, that they would be able to say at the end of my life, I'm better because Andy was in it. I'm better because Ken was in it. I'm better because Mr. Cliff was in it. Put your name there. We want to make people's lives better primarily because Jesus lives in us. And we want to be the example that he's called us to be. And that is my desire. And I thought, what better time to evaluate our lives than the very last day of the year? And we're in it right here. It just feels like the natural time for us to settle accounts. To really look at this new year, have a new slate, a new beginning. You know, but before we leave a restaurant, when we go and eat, hopefully, we don't whine and... and what is it, dine and dash? We don't do that, right? We eat and then we pay the bill. We settle up. Um, before we leave for the day at work, we clean our desk up and ready it for the next morning when we come in, right? And as we look at 2017 and it, as it whisks away, it seems to me like it would be a perfect time to reflect so that we don't spend, and I want you to hear me in here, that we don't spend 2018 learning lessons that God was trying to teach us in 2017. Amen? So, if you have your phones with you, uh, you can go to the Bridge app, and I believe the information is right up there. Yes, uh, you can get the outline at uh, Bridge app, uh, and then go to Notes. You can get the manuscript of the sermon, if you would so desire, by just uh, sending an email to info at bridgechurch.cc. We would love to share every bit of this with you, so you can share it with friends. So if you want to go ahead and go to that, you may do so. But we have had quite a year. I mentioned that earlier. Uh, a chapter closed in our church family's life this year. After 27 years of ministry, God called our senior leader to another work. And don't we thank God for Pastor Farrell and the years of ministry that he poured into this place. Amen. Miss Millie, Brandon, Mitch, we thank God for them. And then a new chapter began. Pastor Jim has come on board and is leading this team. And we're so thankful for him, for Pastor Ryan uh, taking the helm at the Goldsboro campus. A lot of things going on in 2017. How about outreach in 2017? From prison ministry, i got to look down so I don't miss anybody. Soup kitchen, bridge to hope. Uh, the Kentucky missions team, Belize missions team. Do you know the thousands of lives that have been touched through the ministry of our outreach here at the bridge in 2017? I, I don't even know the number, but it's in the thousands. That's not a, an overestimation there. And I thank God for that. Uh, bridge students and bridge kids, media, hospitality, our prayer team. You, I know I've left somebody out. Life groups, you name it. And God has touched it. We have, we have had uh, challenges in 2017. Corporately as a church, you've had it individually as part of the body of Christ, haven't you? Face challenges physically. Face challenges financially. Face challenges in business, relationally. Whatever it may be, we've seen those things. But we've also seen the victories that have come. And we thank God for that. And I just want to pause for just a moment right now and thank God 
for the blessings that he pours into our lives. I don't ever want us to lose sight of how good he truly is to us, especially in the tough times, right? He is a faithful, faithful friend. Can we thank him right now for his faithfulness in our life? Amen. But I say all that to say this. I don't want to waste the gift of a new year. We look back and we say thank you, but we got a brand new year in front of us. And we look with expectation, we look with anticipation and say, God, what do you want to do in, in the, the, the Bridge Church corporately? And what do you want to do in our lives individually this year? I don't know about you, but I think most of us are aggravated by waste. Does waste frustrate you? Does it aggravate you when you see people waste food? You know, I went to a restaurant the other day and it was the... Um, well, I won't name it, but it was, and it was good. I mean, I went there, and it, but it was like a buffet, and they're like, eat what you get on your plate. There is no takeout. Because we don't want you wasting it. If you get it, eat it. Don't waste it. We see wasted time. We see people waste money. We see governmental waste. Senator Rand Paul just did his annual Festivus. Anybody ever watch Seinfeld? You know, <laughs> I woke him up now. <laughs> Festivus was a fictional holiday made up by George Costanza's dad. And in one of the, one of the traditions of Festivus was the airing of grievances, okay? We're not doing that here today, but it's just kind of a play on words that this senator does in a Festivus waste report for the government. And a couple of things that stood out, the IRS... Uh, failed to recover $76 million in unallowable expenses to government contractors. The Department of Transportation spent $1.5 million on a park bathroom in Queens, New York. Now, I've probably been to that bathroom when I visited Taylor. It's nice, but I don't know that it's worth $1.5 million, you know. We see that and it frustrates us, but what is worse than that? is a wasted life, a life with so much potential that is wasted. I think of all the people that we've seen in popular culture, and I won't name them all, but some of the people that have died way too soon, that I think if, if man, if they had lived longer, the impact they could have made in the world and what they would have given to have another day, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. died at 39 years old. Princess Diana was only 36 when she died in a car crash. Bruce Lee, 32. Elvis, 42. All of these lives, and I can only imagine what they would have given to have another day, to have another year, to have another decade. And yet we see people every day of our life that just waste they waste their life. You know, wasting time and money and energy is bad, but wasting a life, a life with promise, a life that God created is so much worse. And it's one of the reasons I'm so excited about a new sermon series we're beginning next Sunday called The uh, Ripple Effect. And it is all about setting priorities. It's all about putting things in place in our lives so that we can make the most of the life God has given us. He has blessed us. 
I want us to stop for just a moment and understand something. We have one life to live. And the way we live it, uh, our whole eternity is shaped by that very thing. The way we live our life shapes our entire eternity. So I don't want to waste it. But sadly, as I've mentioned before, there are people that just don't care. They don't care about their life. They don't care if it makes a difference. Maybe they just want to be liked. Maybe they just want to be left alone. They don't want anybody messing with them. And that is a tragedy. So I want us to look very quickly in the time that we have left this morning at three ways that we can be certain that our life isn't wasted. I don't know what God's plan is for you. I don't know what he's going to open up, the doors that he's gonna, uh, of opportunity he's going to open for you this year. You've got to f- discover that. You've got to figure that out. But what I'm going to give you today are three keys that will ensure that you are available when God opens the door. God is not looking for our ability. He is looking for our availability. Amen? That's what he's interested in. Am I available to do what he's called me to do? So the first thing, the first thing that we need to do is we need to live exposed. We need to live exposed. And what I mean by that is exposed to the light of Christ. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5 today. And we're going to begin in verse 12. Ephesians 5 verse 12 said, It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. The righteous won't even say what the wicked give no thought to doing. They won't even say it. That contrast couldn't be more clear. And then verse 13 says, But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you and what this verse is saying it is a call to repentance wake up wake up from our lethargy wake up from our sleep wake up from the apathy and turn to Christ and repent so that God can use you so that God's light can shine on you and shine through you that's God's intent that's his purpose light by its very nature, exposes darkness. And when I was doing this, going through this study and thinking about this point, I couldn't help but think about my youngest son. How many of you would, would agree with me that raising children is an adventure? Amen? Boy, I'm in the middle of the adventure right now, you know? But when my youngest son was about four years old, we had put him to bed. I don't know, 8, 30, 9 o'clock, he was in the bed. And it was that time of day. All you parents of very small children, you know this time of day. It's the time you cherish because they're all in the bed. And you finally get to have grown-up conversation and you're sitting and talking. And my wife and I are in the den and we're talking and this, this little boy cracks open the door. Some of you may have heard me tell this story before. He cracks open the door. And he sticks his head out. And now all the lights are on in the den. It's 9 o'clock at night. And this little boy steps out of his room with a Batman mask on. (laughs) And we just watch him as he creeps into the light of the den. And he gets to the middle of the floor 
And I said, Hunter, we can see you. <laughs> and this is exactly what he does. He gets to his bedroom, and he closes the door just to a crack, and he's just looking out. And I said, I still see you, son, and he slams the door. <laughs> he didn't understand that by its very nature, light exposes the darkness. He thought that the Batman mask would cover up him and make him invisible. It did not. We can't hide from God anything nothing and if we believe that God is the source of all wisdom the best thing that we can do is hold everything in our lives up to the light of Christ and help us see it we want God to show us what it really is we want to set our hearts and minds on things that are worthwhile not worthless Time is precious. It is too short. And I don't want to waste it. I don't know what you had the opportunity to do this, this Christmas, but I, I had the opportunity to go and, and be with my parents for a couple of days. And when I am there, I mean, I'm just entrenched in whatever they're doing because time is precious. I don't get to do it very often. And so when I go, I am, I am in it. I'm doing whatever my dad is doing. I love going to town with my father. I'm almost 50 years old and he still tells me how to drive. He still tells me where to park. And I do exactly what he tells me to do, you know? Amen. I know he's not going to be around forever to tell me that. And so while he's still here to tell me, I'm going to do what he says. He even orders breakfast for me when we go out to eat. He pays. I let him. <laughs> Why would I fuss about that? <laughs> we want God to show us what is worthwhile and what is worthless. And it's so important because I shouldn't be the judge of what is worthwhile and worthless. That's not my job and that's not your job. And you might be thinking, well, it's my life. Of course I need to judge what's worthwhile and worthless. That's my duty. That's my job. And I'm not trying to be argumentative with you today. But I could not disagree more. It is not your job to determine that, to judge the way you're spending your life. And here's why I say that. God gave you your life. He gave you your body. He gave you your mind. He gave you your talents. He gave you your skills. He gave you everything you have. It all came from Him. None of it came from us. So He gets to judge if the way I'm spending my time and energy is worthwhile or worthless. Amen? That's his call. And if you hear that and you're like, I'm not sure. Well, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, you can kick and scream and fight against it. But Hebrews 9.27 says, it is appointed unto man once to die, and then after that, the judgment. And it's God's. I don't want to make all the decisions down here and then get up there and stand before him and say, hear him say, if you'd only listen to me. If you'd only done what I called you to do. If you'd only heard my voice. 
I want to do it now. I want to hear his voice and understand what he has to say about what is worthwhile. Because here is the reality. Only what is done for the glory of God will stand the test of time. Only what is done for his glory. When I leave this earth, I want what I've done on this planet to make a difference, to make an impact. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is useless. So get as close as you can to Jesus. Get as close as you can in your relationship to Him and let Him shine His light on your life so that He can expose what is worthwhile and what is worthless. How do we do that? You do that by going before him in prayer, Bible study, not forsaking the, the, the gathering together of the saints to worship God because it is in those acts that we draw closer to him. Again, it's about availability. The second thing is live carefully or considerately. Ephesians 5.15, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. In this verse, Paul urges the people of Ephesus to consider their life. Consider how they live. You can waste time, you can live unwisely, but it doesn't get you anywhere. There was pushback in recent months, and I don't know exactly when it all came out, but it was regarding Mike Pence uh, and a 2002 interview that he had given. And in that interview, he indicated that he followed the Billy Graham rule. Does anybody, is anybody familiar with the Billy Graham rule? Um, here's basically what it says. I'm not going to dine or be alone with a woman if my wife is not present. Mike Pence said, I'm not going to go to a, an event where alcohol is being served without my wife present. I want that accountability. Nothing against women. Now, you can imagine the pushback and the backlash that he got for that. But what was he doing in his life? He was setting up guardrails. He was putting something in place to keep him from veering to the right or to the left and making a mistake and messing up. And look, in my ministry, I, through my arrogance and through my pride and through whatever you want to call it, I mean, you can name them all and I'll sit here and go, yes, and I've had a time in my ministry where I thought I could help somebody who was emotionally broken and hurt and distraught, and this person was of the opposite sex. And this person, not because I had so much to give, not because I am a, this wealth of knowledge, it's just because I would listen connected emotionally with me. I thought I could handle that. I thought I could manage that. I thought I could help this person through that, even though that happened. Do you know what I found out? You can't do that. Hey, dummy, talking to me, <laughs> I can't do that. I don't do that. I learned a lesson from that. That thing, that thing got, got way bigger than I 
ever thought it would, would be and nothing ever happened or anything like that. But it was completely avoidable. And all I had to do was, was look at this person and say, listen, if my wife ain't here, we can't talk. I mean, I didn't, we met here at the church. There were people at the church. It wasn't like I was alone. But at some point, I had to look at that person and say, listen, you need to talk to a lady. That's the guardrail that I've set up in my life. The guardrail in my life, guys, is I meet with a woman one time. I'm your pastor. You need to be able to meet with me. You ought to be able to pray with me. But if you need ongoing counseling, I'm going to connect you ladies with a lady who can walk through that with you. Because that's a guardrail for you and for me. Amen? And that's important. we got to set those things up in our life. And I know, I know it's 2018 almost and good grief. I mean, I can't have... A meal with a lady, I can't ride. We, look, we have, a, we have a hedge policy here at the church. We don't, I don't ride in a vehicle with a person on staff that is female into Goldsboro by myself. If I have to go into town and we could save gas and the two of us could ride together, but there's not a third person to put in that car, guess what we do? We take two cars. Glory. Sam sells gas all day long and I'll just go buy some more. <laughs> You know, I'm telling you, you've got to be, you've got to consider those things and we have to put those things in place. The wrong person at the wrong place at the wrong time results in the wrong thing happening. That's why we put those guardrails in place. So we live exposed to the light of Christ. We live carefully, guardrails, considerately, and then we live up to what what we already know. We live up to what we already know. Ephesians 5, 17. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. (laughs) You know the Lord's will for your life, right? That's easy to say. That's tough living, isn't it? I mean, gosh, if we knew that, everything would be easy. What, What college should I go to? What person should I marry? Where should I work? What should I do next in this new chapter of my life? Have you ever found yourself seeking and asking God, Lord, what is your will for me? Some of you sitting in this very room right now looking ahead to 2018 are saying, God, what's your will? Because I don't see it. I don't know what it is. And I'm trying to figure it out, Lord, but I need your help. I need you to show me, reveal to me what your will is That's not what the word understand in verse 17 is talking about. In the Greek, it means to arrive at a summary, to consider or face up to what you already know. See, there there are some areas of our life where we have to discern the will of God. We got to, I mean, we're bathing this thing in prayer. We are seeking his face and saying, God, show me what your will is. Should I do this or should I do that? Anybody ever been at a crossroads? And you're praying and you're seeking and you're trusting God. Lord, what is your will for my life? What would you have me do? But then there are other times in our life where we know. We know the will of God. We know God doesn't want us to murder somebody, right? We got that. We ain't got to discern that. Lord Jesus, I want to really hurt this person right now. Is it your will that I do that? We ain't got to pray about that. If you do... The altar is open at the end of the service. 
and some very big men will be down here beside me while I pray for you, okay? Uh, We don't have to pray, Lord, is it your will for me to lie? Should I lie about this? Is it your will for me to pray? We don't have to ask those questions. We know that. That is called the revealed will of God. We get that. The Ten Commandments is the revealed will of God. It is what he wants us to do and how he wants us to live our life. And so we start there. If we want to live a life of wisdom, if we want to live a life that is available to God, where we can say, Lord, I just want to position myself where when you open the door, I'm ready to walk through it, then we got to put ourselves in this place. we got to know that. we got to walk in that. It is foolish to waste our life on things that mean nothing. So live exposed, live carefully, and live up to what you already know. Is there something in your life this morning that you've been putting off? That you've been, you just have dug your heels in and you're like, I, am, I just can't do it. I'm not doing it. Lord, I know he's been prompting you. He's been after you to do it. And you just, mm, do it. There is no better time than right now to take a step out and say, God, here's a brand new year. There's a blank canvas here. I'm going to trust you. It's very clear that you're doing something in my life. I'm going to take that step of faith. And I'm going to trust you in that. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and what God's calling you to do is trust him for the very first time. Maybe you've been putting it off. Maybe you've been pushing him away. Maybe you're here and everybody thinks you've already taken that step. And you know you haven't. And you're afraid of what people might think. If I, man, if I, if I invite Jesus in my life and they already thought I'd had, had or whatever, or they thought I was this or that or the other, that don't matter. You remember I told you it wasn't up to us to judge what was worthy and what was worthless. I ain't worried about what anybody else judges about me either. There's only one I'm worried about. There's only one judge that I consider. I care about what he thinks. I care about what he sees when he looks at me. And if there is something, if there is an account I need to settle with God, I want to do it immediately when he reveals it to me. There is no reason to put it off. There is no reason to wait. This morning is your time. Ladies and gentlemen, time will pass. It will pass. The question I have for you is how will it pass in your life? Will you just let time go by? and Just sit idle for another year? And watch God work and move and do things all around you and just sit. Ah, not right now, God. I'm not comfortable with that. I'm not ready for that. Or will you take that step? Will you surrender your life to him to do something that is worthwhile? I want to tell you, you may be right in the middle of it right now and you don't even know it. It's in some of the most mundane places in ministry that I've Served And when I mean mundane, I, I mean it wasn't, a, it wasn't on a stage. There were no lights on. I didn't have a mic clipped to my ear. 
that made me talk longer. I, <laughs> that's why I talk longer is because of the mic. Not, um, but it was in those one-on-one times when I was just with a person and sharing and encouraging and Honestly, some of the times, I didn't think I was making an impact. I thought the words that I was speaking were just bouncing off the wall. And they weren't connecting in any way, shape, or form. And then years later, I would get a call, or I would get a, an email, or I would get stopped by someone in a store who would just say, I just want to say thank you, and I don't even remember doing it. Because the reality was it wasn't me doing it anyway. It was just availability. Now what breaks my heart is I know there are other times that I have wasted that. I have squandered that. I have missed it. I could have had that opportunity but I was in too big of a hurry or I was distracted or whatever the case may be. But I want my life. I want to live intentionally so that my life makes a difference in the life of somebody else. I said this two weeks ago when I shared with you that we don't live our life in a vacuum. We don't live our life in a bubble. But our life is far-reaching. And there are people watching it. And there are people that are impacted by our life. And I don't care where you have been. I don't care where you were last night. The only thing that matters is right now. What are you going to do about right now? We can't go back. Now you can go back and apologize. You can go back and make amends as best you can. But you can do something very tangible and real about what's in front of you. What are we going to do about what's in front of us? Will you begin today trusting the one who gave you life. I just closed my notebook. It is the last miracle of 2017. Because <laughs> it's 957. Glory to God. I'm going to ask you if you will. Since it's just 957. Would you join me at the altar. And let's pray together before we leave. I want to thank you for letting me share with you today and I want you to know that I'm not preaching this at you. This this word's for me. I need this word. I pray that this word will resonate with you and I pray that it will challenge you as it has challenged me. Not to be perfect, not to do everything right, but To position ourselves to be available to God so that He can use us the way He wants to use us this year. I want that for for our church corporately, but I want that for you as an individual as well. I want that for you as a father. I want that for you as a mother. I want that for you as a son or daughter. As a friend. That God would use you in that way because you say this morning, Lord, I surrender. I want to live my life exposed. I want the light of Jesus to shine in every crack and crevice of my heart. In every room of my heart. 
and expose anything that's there that doesn't please you. And then I want to live my life carefully. I want to live my life in such a way, God, people may look at it and say, you're just being ridiculous. That's just over the top. But I want to live my life in such a way that if I hurt a woman's feelings this year, it ain't Kirsten Stovall's. And then I want to live what I know. I want to walk in obedience in those things that I know God wants me to do. And I want that for you. Would you bow with me as we pray? God, as we enter into this new year, as we enter into this new place, God, I pray that we would, yes, look back and be thankful for the blessings and look back and learn from the defeats. That we wouldn't allow you to to waste a bad experience because we're unwilling to be teachable. So let that happen as we look back, but God, that we would look forward. And know that because you woke us up this morning, there is hope and there is life and there is peace and there is the opportunity for some amazing things to transpire in our lives if we will trust you. So as we stand in this altar today, Lord, if if the folks that are here in this altar are willing to do it, and it's just right there in your own words, say, Lord, I want to live my life exposed. I want your light to shine all in my life. I want your light to shine so that when I look at an opportunity or something that avails itself to me, I will know whether it is worthwhile or whether it is worthless. And I can focus my attention on those things that are worthwhile. God, I commit to live my life carefully, surrendered to you. And I commit to walk this thing out and do what I know you want me to do. There are things, God, you're going to have to reveal to me. There are things, God, that I'm going to have to discern by your Holy Spirit. But God, the, the stuff that you've already revealed in your word, Lord, help me. Give me the strength. I understand and acknowledge by being in this altar today that I can't do it on my own. I'm not strong enough. But with your help, I can walk those things out. Now, Lord, for those that are here whose desire is to receive your forgiveness, Lord, I pray that they would be bold enough to just say, God, I surrender to you. I come to you. I ask you to forgive me. And God, that they would know that in this moment, they are forgiven. But I pray also that they would have the strength and wherewithal and trust in you enough to forgive themselves. A lot of times that's the roadblock. It isn't you. 
It it isn't even them having the confidence that you will forgive them. It's our ability to forgive ourselves. So I pray all over this room that you would give us the strength to forgive ourselves and to trust your forgiveness, that it's perfect, that it is complete. And that it is the most freeing thing we will ever receive on this side of heaven. So as we look to 2018, God, may we look with a new set of eyes. With expectation that you're going to do things that we haven't even imagined yet. And you're going to use us in your plan. For that, we give you the glory and the honor and the praise. And for the lives that have been changed here today, we say thank you. To God be the glory. Great things he has done and is going to continue to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give him glory?